Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by me, Jeff Norris, along with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington. This podcast aims to equip you to follow Jesus by digging deeper into the teachings and topics of the Bible, the culture at large, and life in general. We're excited that you've joined us as we explore the treasures of God's Word and apply its teachings to our lives as followers of Christ. In this season, we're digging deeper into our series, Love Rules, a study through the Ten Commandments and their relevance to us today. So throughout this season, we'll feature many exciting guests who will help us sort through what Scripture has to say and how it impacts how we are to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God. We're so glad you joined us. Now let's jump into today's discussion. Well, we are absolutely thrilled to have Dr. Julius Kim with us on the podcast today as we uh, continue in this series where we're surveying the Ten Commandments that, you know, as we teach through it as a church, uh, also having some great conversations on the Digging Deeper podcast about it. And and uh, Julius, um, we were just discussing before we jumped on here about how you were with us in 2017 preaching. Uh, as a guest preacher at Perimeter, many of our folks will remember that who are listening to this, and some who have been around since then who weren't here for that will want to go back and and listen to that sermon that you preached here. It was so it was so good. I mean, um, uh, well, first let me say thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Yeah, brother. Uh, let me uh, let me share just a few things about Julius. He. Um, Got his MDiv from Westminster Seminary in California and his PhD from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Um, he served uh, as the president of the Gospel Coalition from 2020 to 23. And uh, he also serves as an associate pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church and visiting professor of practical theology at Westminster Seminary in California. Where, when I first met you and when you came to Perimeter, if I'm not mistaken, that's you were serving as the dean of students at that time. If, I, if that's right, I was, in, in yeah. 2017, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, and then one book I want to make sure people know about, fantastic book that he authored called Preaching the Whole Counsel of God. And um, so, again, thanks for being with us, brother. What are, uh, I'm curious, as I was um, kind of reading up about you, uh, what's the Lord got you doing these days? What's uh, What do you have your hands and your heart in in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, thank you, Jeff and Laura. Thank you for having me. It's it's a delight to see you both, and it's an honor to be with you. Um, yeah, the Lord is actually giving me some time uh, to rest a little bit. Yeah, I've been great. grinding. Uh, I, I served on faculty at Westminster Seminary, California, for twenty years, teaching practical theology, and I also served as a dean of students, and then three years as the president of the Gospel Coalition. Yeah. And in God's marvelous timing, He's given me some time to rest. And so I'm actually going to Korea. Oh, so wow. my wife and I, awesome. my wife and I will be leaving for Korea in about eight days. Wow. And awesome. I've been invited, I've been invited to be kind of a scholar in residence. The translation doesn't quite work. I think in the Korean it's literally teaching pastor and consultant. Okay. Uh, for okay. a fairly large church in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, we're gonna kind of do like a like a test run. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be there for about three months as a scholar in residence, training leaders, teaching, preaching, et cetera. And then we're going to have a conversation of if that could maybe lead to something long term. And so we'll be wow. off to Seoul, Seoul, Korea for about uh, three months Wow. Uh, this fall yeah. and then try to determine what's what's next on the horizon. 
Man, that's exciting. Yeah. What, yeah. what a privilege that we caught you right before you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your last eight days in the country. Yeah. Well, so um, as you know, we are looking at the Ten Commandments. And one of the things, even in the title of your book, the importance of preaching the full counsel of God. Where do the where do the Ten Commandments fall in in this day and age where it's so much easier to focus on Jesus's love rather than to talk about this list of rules that some people um, equate with um, hmm. with uh, a lack of freedom when truly what we're finding in our conversations is it actually leads to more freedom. What what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, that's a great question. I. I find that in my conversations, especially with church members and even with my own daughters, I've got two daughters, one's 23, one's 21. And over the years, as we've tried to teach them what it means to be more Christ-like, the Ten Commandments come in handy, of course, right? Mm -hmm. To to teach them what it means to love God and to love their neighbors. And we've discovered that rather than focusing first on the what of the Ten Commandments, Mm -hmm. it's always better to focus on the who of the Ten Commandments. Mm, That's good. Namely this. When we start to discover who actually gave us the Ten Commandments, that it's the same God of the whole counsel of God, the Bible of the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's a unity because God himself is the author of the whole Bible through his spirit, that we actually focus on a God who created all things good, who revealed himself to us in his word, the Bible, of what it means to actually glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Hmm. And if God created us to enjoy him and all of his fullness and all of his perfection and all of his beauty, including his love, then it follows that we ought to know how he best wants us to be in relationship with him. Yeah. And the best way to do that is by saying, okay, God, we want to be in relationship with you because you're the best thing in the whole world. You're the only thing in the whole world Hmm. that makes sense. Hmm. So then where do I discover how to best be in relationship with you? And God will say, Ah, great question. I've actually re- <laughs> revealed it for you. It's yeah. not a mystery. In fact, I've written it down for you. And one of the primary summaries of how to be in best relationship with me is the moral law, what we call the moral law, the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. that Jesus summarized in the New Testament, that these are the ways that I want to be in right relationship. In fact, when you're in right relationship with me, you're actually more in what I call shalom, right? You're at peace. Mm. You're whole. You're good. Everything's beautiful, even in a sin-cursed world. So Mm. I find that with with my own daughters and as well as with my own church members, that I want to start with, hey, before we get into the actual nitty-gritty of the rules and the laws that God has given to us, let's not forget who gave us those rules and why. And then with that as a foundation, then the rules kind of make more sense. Like, oh, that makes sense, or this makes sense. So I don't murder, or I don't steal, because it's actually, and and it hurts God, and it hurts others. It actually hurts the good things that God actually intended us to enjoy. Yeah, that's so good. that's kind of one way to kind of think about it, I think. That's yeah, great. that's good. That's good. One of the things I'm going to do here, Julius, is I'm going to read, because uh, I'd love to focus in on the first three commandments. Uh, for our discussion today, and I'm going to read those first three commandments. And, uh, you know, we've probably all heard them at some point, but there's always some things, especially uh, when you go to Exodus 20, there's some things that are in there that you might go, oh, I forgot that part was in there. Uh, 
as the Lord teases it out for us through Moses. But so here are the three. First one, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to those, uh, to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And then the third commandment is you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Um, so, um, let's, yeah, let's start with the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. This may sound like, um, at first glance, perhaps to some, it may go, wow, what a, what an elementary question. But I think there's just so much in this question of reminding us or maybe even helping us understand for the first time wh- why God would say what he says and command what he commands. So here's the question for you. Why, why is God so concerned with being first in our lives? Why is he, you know, there shall be no other gods before me. Um, talk about that. What are some, what are some yeah. thoughts you have? Yeah, as I was preparing for this, I was actually reflecting upon my own heart mm. and how easy it is for me often not to make little wooden images uh, or to, to to make little golden calves and bow mm-hmm. down to them. I don't think that's yeah. my problem. And in fact, <laughs> I think a lot of people, when they think about the Ten Commandments, they, they think about the movie they saw on ABC Sunday night, you know, oh, Moses yes. and oh, yeah. Israel. And like, that's not me. I would yeah. never be like the Israelites. Yeah, I wouldn't give... Aaron, all my gold to fashion a gold <laughs> calf. That's so foolish. I would never be that foolish. And then the very next day when I'm trying to decide, do I take my daughter to her swim, le- to her swim meet on Sunday or mm. do I sacrifice that and take my daughter to church mm. to try to give her a pattern of rest and Sabbath and Hey, you're getting, you're getting way too personal here, Julius. <laughs> so this is, this is, hey, you're no. poking the bear, oh, dude. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this is just me. This is just me. And I remember early on when my daughter, she was a fairly good swimmer at like six or seven years of age. And the coach came up to my wife and I and said, hey, we think Emma's going to be a really good swimmer. So her first, we'd like to try it out. Get her to her first meet. It's on Sunday morning coming up, da 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 Wow. And so as a parent, first of all, we're all excited about our daughter maybe having some potential. And as a good Asian American, of course, maybe this could lead to a good college and a Mm. future. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking maybe this is what God intended, right? And so again, it's not a bad thing that my daughter was good at swimming. It's not a bad thing for her to pursue sports and activities. It's not a bad thing to pursue colleges and and, and, and setting her up for our future, this, those are not bad things. Those are good things. But when we start making even the good things of life the ultimate thing, then we mm. start running into problems. Mm. And I think we discovered, my wife and I discovered that it's really easy to break the first commandment because we started fashioning gods that we never mm. even intended or even knew that we were worshiping and bowing down to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the God of success, the God of performance, the God of being accepted, the God of power, the God of Oof. prestige, the God of mm. money, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. right? The God of making sure that my daughter is one of the best in the class or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm making my own children 
my God. Yeah. Oh, that's so And that's good. like, whoa. I was like, that's that's for me when I discovered that I'm breaking the first commandment in a way that maybe Israelite the Israelites did it. Mm-hmm. But in, ultimately in my heart, I'm just like the Israelites. And I think yeah. that's why God is so concerned about being first is that because he knows we're so prone mm-hmm. to making even the good things of life the ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. And when we start doing that, he knows that we're going down a road. We're going down a particular trajectory that's ultimately going to be harmful for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a loving father, he's like, hey, you know, actually, if you put me first, things actually work out better. You just can't see that now. Yeah. I know you can't see the promised land. It's still actually, you may not, I don't, I'm not going to tell you, but it's actually 40 years from now. Oh my goodness, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you are going to die before you ever see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And yet you have to trust me on this. And so it's not unlike child raising, helping our kids, putting the best things first in their life. They don't fully get it. Mm. But from our vantage point, we're like, girls, you may not see this, but actually just showing up to church every Sunday is going to be a pattern and something really good in your life mm. because good things happen when you put God first. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see it yet. And I mm-hmm. think I think God knows that about our hearts. God knows our temptations, our trials, our, 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 our being prone, right? Being prone yeah. to these kinds of things. And so for our own, for our own, for our own good and ultimately for his own glory, right? Yeah. He's most glorified when his children are obeying him and following in the right path for our good and for his own glory. I think that's why mm-hmm. the first commandment I think is so important. Mm. Yeah. And just even as you, those last few things you even said there prompted, you know, the, the, the saying that John Piper made famous back in, you know, 30, 40 years ago of God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's right. And that dual nature of that he gets glory when we are not putting anything ahead of him and we are Mm -hmm. actually satisfied in that. And I think that's part of the, part of the struggle that we fight within our human nature is that we can just begin to view uh, God as this demanding God that says, you have to put me first, you have to put me first. And uh, and then we can, you know, obviously being consistent with our sin nature and the way that we fell in the garden to begin with is that we don't think God's for us. We think that his, his design is not what's best. And there's all these other things, even good things to your point, whether it be our kids activities or whatever, uh, that we think are going to ultimately bring more of that satisfaction we long for when ultimately we know we, we learn the hard way so very often that it's only going to be found in the Lord. Um, and- so, yeah, man, really good. Let me, let me ask you this. It says in here, in these first three commandments, he, he uses a, um, what might be called a provocative phrase, where it says, for I, your Lord, am a jealous God, mm-hmm. which probably doesn't lend itself to helping us, you know, in terms of what I just said about sometimes we can think of God as this demanding God, and then he, like, says, I'm a jealous God, and we don't necessarily associate that jealous word with something that's good. Like if somebody's jealous, yeah. we go, well, that's not a good thing. You shouldn't be jealous. But yet here it is a good thing when God is jealous. So what do we do with that? What does it mean that God yeah. is a jealous God? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, actually, a good friend of mine uh, has helped me with this. His name is Eric Tonis. He's a professor of theology at Biola. And he wrote his doctoral dissertation on this very character of God, mm-hmm. the jealousy of God. 
he actually wrote a whole dissertation on it. Not that I would recommend you all read it right now, but uh, <laughs> I asked him for the summary a while back. We were doing our doctorates together, what, 30 years ago. And, you know, I found, I found some of his, his statements really helpful. For example, when we think of jealousy, we, can, we never want to divorce that passion apart from his character. Mm. And if God's character is perfect and holy, that means his passion is perfect and holy. Mm-hmm. That means his passion is always for what's good. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when I'm passionate for my, let's say, my spouse to be faithful to me, that's actually a good thing, right? Yeah. Faithfulness to one's spouse is a good thing. So one can be jealous or passionate for good things and not just be proud or self-centered or selfish for ourselves. Yeah. I'm jealous for my girls to love Jesus. One could argue that's a good thing. And so I think if we think about the jealousy of God based on his own perfect and holy and loving character, then it's like, oh, that changes the dynamic. Then I could fully understand why God says, I am a jealous God. So do these things because ultimately, as my creature, by doing these things, not only are you and experience what's true, good, and beautiful. But then as my creature, when you experience those good things, I'm actually most honored and most glorified. Mm. And when God is honored and glorified, that's really, that's kind of, I think, tied to his jealousy. God's jealous for his own honor. Mm. And I think God is fully honored and lifted up and magnified and exalted when his creatures understand that and live live that out. And so I think when we, again, think about the jealousy of God being tied to his character, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it seems very um, easy to say, okay, not having other gods before God. <laughs> and you've given us one example of what that looks like practically, but what would be other ways um, if we if we find ourselves um, having all those other idols, whether you said acceptance and uh, work, <laughs> uh, approval, all of that, uh, what are ways to truly put God in that top place in our lives? Or, or maybe even, I don't even know what my question is. Like, what, what are what are signs that maybe um, we're not honoring Him in that way? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, as I've gone through various trials and difficulties. And then I I have to ask myself, why am I struggling, Mm. even doubting God's goodness? Mm. And when I'm doubting God's goodness, it's ultimately I'm not really trusting him being preeminent in my life. It's I find myself experiencing several emotions. One, I find myself not being content. Mm. And I find that contentment or lack of contentment, ultimately for me at least, is a clear sign that I'm not really putting God first. Oh, that's good. I'm putting myself first, my situation first, my circumstances first, especially when they're not going well, right? Mm-hmm. And when our situation, our circumstances are not going the way we expect them to be, we start losing contentment, which is ultimately a lack of trust, a trust in the Lord that he's in control, that he is good, that all will work out according to his sovereign purposes and providence. And then a lack of contentment, and it's corollary, right? Just not being thankful. Mm. And so even my prayer life, I'm not giving thanks. I'm saying, Lord, why? Why this? And I think there's, a, there's moments where we can truly lament about the difficulties in our life. But am I truly 
giving prayers of thanksgiving. And one of the things that I've noticed over the le- over the years in my own life, and in, in when I counsel people in my own church, is I just ask them when they're struggling. I said, "Hey, how 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 are your prayers of thanksgiving?" And they're like, "What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, what are you giving thanks for in your prayers?" Honestly, over this last week, how is how is your prayer life specifically in the area of thanksgiving? And they're like, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, like, yeah. Hmm, that may be a sign." That you're not really understanding what God intends for you. I don't think in the Ten Commandments. But yeah. Essentially, that's 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 what it is, right? Putting God first and trusting it. Yeah, that's really good. It's making me think over here. I'm just listening and processing at the same time about my own life and and going, okay. Uh, to say that in the in the um, the opposite way that you just said it would be to say, okay, some markers for me that can indicate, okay, I'm living a life where certainly not perfectly. But faithfully, I'm putting God first. I'm, I'm not putting other, other gods before him. And I'm living a spirit-filled life as we kind of think of the whole scope and sequence of the scriptures. And Okay, okay some markers of that could be I'm, I'm, I'm living in contentment regardless of circumstances. Um, I'm living with thanksgiving and gratitude in my heart towards the Lord, even in the midst of potentially hard circumstances. You know, my, uh, the people here at Perimeter have heard me use this quote, I think, probably several times. Uh, but the quote that I always think of from Jerry Bridges, where he says, there's never a situation that is so dire in this life that it it ceases to be appropriate to give thanks. Mm. And um, mm, That's good. And, you know, it's good, but it's hard. You know, it's, sure. it's, it's really hard <laughs> to live that out. Because, sure. because, as we well know, as Martin Luther made famous, our, our hearts are... Idle, idle factories, right? I mean, this is we we are so very good at putting things in front of the Lord and, and finding our identity in them, our satisfaction mm-hmm. in them, our joy in them, and then getting angry at God when we're discontent huh. and dissatisfied. Yeah, and that's right. And the Lord then saying, "Well, you know, I've laid some things out here for you that you're that you're not living out, and therefore, let's put two and two together here." Um, that's good. Let me let let me move us to the third commandment because it's a that's an interesting one. Um, in the sense of I don't know that many Christians really understand what this is talking about when it's when he's when he gives the command, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, yeah how how is that more than just what we say? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I think for the better part of my life, I just thought, okay, I got that one of the 10 that are listed. I got that one. I'm not you know, I'm not going (laughs) to I'm not cussing and I'm not saying, you know, whatever else that would be irreverent to God. So I'm good. All right, let's move on. Um, But like all these commandments, there's something under the surface here that as Jesus pulls out for us in the, you know, in the uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's there's heart level Mm -hmm. stuff God is digging at here that we need to pay attention to. So talk to us about that one. What are what are some things about the third commandment? And what does it mean? Yeah, this one, this one, I think I, this week in, in preparation for this podcast, I did some, I did some further studying, not only of what that means, but also my own heart. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's, I think the key, I think you said that what's going on in our hearts, right? Because out of the heart springs what we say, right? And mm-hmm. et cetera. And mm-hmm. if the first commandment deals with not creating other false gods, but believing in the true God. And the second commandment deals with how to worship him in a manner that he requires and, and desires. I think the third commandment here really deals with our affections, our attitudes, our heart, mm. right? 
Are we truly worshiping the true God in the right way? Now, third commandment, yeah, with the right attitude. Hmm. I think, and I think that's something much more difficult to deal with than just, hey, I'm not going to cuss. If I yeah. think we're good, check. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's actually, do I have the right heart attitude toward God and everything that he's created, mm. which bears his name? Yeah. I think that's key, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And throughout the Bible, when the Lord creates, he places his name upon them, mm. right? When we, when we do the benediction at church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord is actually through his minister, placing his name upon all of his people. That's a tremendous blessing. There's a certain identification that happens, right? It's not unlike when we have our children, they start to bear our name. Yeah. And that's it. That's a true identification. So the only way to honor God and his name is by thinking about everything Mm. God has created, his works. Mm. And so when you start thinking about it that way, cursing another person is bad, because he's been created in the image of God. Mm. Hmm. He's an image bearer of God. He bears, he's, he actually has the last name of God, right? He belongs mm. to that family. So if you curse that person, you're cursing God. Mm. So that's the problem. It's ultimately the heart attitude. Yeah. I, and so I think when we start to think about it that way, basically everything that God created and redeemed for his own purposes falls under the purview of this commandment mm. is your heart attitude and ultimately your affection toward everything God has created right mm. is it good is it wow. godly mm. and then you're like oh shoot <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord help me I don't I don't Lord, get to check me. that box as quick as yeah. I thought I did right you're, you're kind of wishing yeah, he was my... just talking about the words that we say that's right but, that's right but it, it really makes sense uh you know all the commandments to follow because it does talk about relating rightly to these things that he's created, whether it's marriage yeah. or whether it's how to love your neighbor well. Uh, so that that's a tremendous uh, view of that third commandment and, mm. and exceedingly helpful. Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right, as we wrap up here, Julius, any, any final thoughts of how do we practically... Yeah, I'm thinking for the, for the listener who's just going, okay, this has been helpful, hopefully. Hopefully this has been helpful. I'm seeing some things. I think it has been. What you've said, I'm thinking more about what we've yeah. said. You, what you've said, Julius, has been very helpful. Um, yeah, how do, I, how do I put boots to the ground on this? How do, I, how do I live this out, these first three commandments, in a way that I can actually sense that, okay, the, Lord is, the Lord's doing a good work in my life, and, I, and I'm, I'm growing in my affection for him and for because I love him, not because I feel like I have to do it to win his approval, but because he loves me and I love him, I actually want to live this out. Yeah. Uh, what what are what are any thoughts you have, practical thoughts on how to live this out? Yeah. First of all, just just that it's hard mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and don't give up. But yeah. uh, let me let me use this as an example. Just my own family life and what we've tried to do with our own kids. Uh, not that we're the model, but perhaps you can t- you can glean some some things that we did well, we didn't do well. But yeah. I remember early on when, when our first daughter was born, as a seminary professor, as a pastor of a local church, you know, my girl had to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got the I got the Westminster Shorter Catechism out early on when she was like two years old. <laughs> and I said, I, I set this goal. She's going to memorize 
the entire shorter catechism by the time she's six. Wow. You know, it's, you know, so I, you have these huge goals, right? And again, those are not bad things sure. per se. Yeah. To do that. But then I discovered as she grew and, you know, she's, she's a little sinner just like I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot harder to put God first, to have, to have your affection set on God. Mm-hmm. I can kind of force it. But ultimately, she has to have her own affections set on the Lord. And how do I, how do I set herself, set her up for that? I, again, parents, if you're doing the sort of catechism, I think that's wonderful. And I think that's yeah. one tool It's okay. You can I'm use. not, I'm not doing yeah. that with yeah. my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing at this stage, now that my daughter's 23 and adult, she's working and, and, and loves the Lord. And I've got a 21 year old in college and she loves the Lord. And I said, what did we do well? We actually set our, our, our standard, bring it, brought it down to a little bit more of a, a, a standard that's reasonable and mm. accessible. Mm. And there were three things that we really wanted our daughters to have their affection towards or really be convicted by. And that is just to love Jesus because of what he's done for them on the cross, to love mm. Jesus, to love his word, to recognize that his word is so important for the rest of their life and to set up patterns around that word, mm. and to love his church mm. as a community. Mm. I think if those three things are there as a foundation, other things will come. The catechism, the theology that comes to the yeah. catechism will come. You know, finding contentment in difficulty because of loving Jesus, the gospel, loving his word, and loving the church, and finding a community of others who are broken but striving. You know, I think that helps. And so mm. for us... Once we put our priorities on those three things, and then we find ourselves proportioning our lives around those priorities, mm-hmm. right? When we make those priorities, then we proportion it. So for us, we just said church, for example, is a non-negotiable. Yeah. And your job is to just show up. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to yeah. require anything else. Just show up and, and see what the Lord, just taste and see. Yeah. Right. Yep. Come and see what the Lord is doing. And so that just was a pattern and a habit that we developed all through the years that just show up at church wherever you may be. Mm. Even when you go off to college, if you want daddy and mommy to help you with your tuition, just show up at a local church, wherever mm. that may be, and be part of that community. And so I didn't put any other, you know, kind of binding requirements regarding church. You have to serve in this way or mm-hmm. you have to give this much money. I'm like, those will come because you love Jesus and you love his church. Just show up. And so I think as you look at your own lives, if, if you make certain priorities, you'll proportion your lives according to those priorities and then make it accessible, make it attainable, mm-hmm. start small, show up. And then for us, the next thing in terms of, I was thinking about this as I was preparing, is just the attitudes and the affections. One of the things we didn't do well, but I think we tried, was that how do we model contentment and thankfulness? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, hard things happen in our lives. We go through suffering and dark times. And our kids are watching all the time. Whether you realize it or not, our kids are always watching. Yeah, for sure. And how do we genuinely but honestly model contentment even in the darkness Mm. how do we keep trusting in the light in lament yeah and so i think those are the things that we try to do is just have attainable goals show up at church love god's people and and then for us modeling 
uh, for our children, what it means to be content and be thankful, even in the difficult times. And, and as we're seeing our girls grow to become adults, I think, you know, the Lord has been blessing them, uh, even through our crooked sticks, they're drawing straight lines. Amen. Amen. Dr. Kim, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, this was just tremendous. There's so much that I need to listen mm. back many times uh, to to learn again and again as as a believer and honestly as a parent. I loved how much you talked about your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. We are uh, grateful for you for, for so many reasons, but certainly grateful for you taking time to, to join us today. And uh, I know those who have listened have been deeply blessed by it. So thank you, brother. Thank you so much. What a tremendous conversation. And Jeff, I, I want to hear uh, kind of what the Lord was speaking to you in, in yeah. the midst of all that. I think the, my greatest takeaway is this idea that contentment can be one of those kind of dashboard mm. lights yeah. Uh, yeah. with the first commandment of, because uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, uh, yeah, again, None of us are, are building graven in, images in our backyard right, to bow down right, and worship to. Right. But yes, our hearts are idol factories. And yeah. really, when I, when I am discontent, it mm. really is pointing to a bigger problem. Yeah. And really, it's pointing to me making something else or someone else God in my life rather than the true God. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think it's... That stood out to me as well, because what I was thinking is, why am I discontent? If, if discontentment is a dashboard light of my heart, what's it lighting up? What's it telling me? Well, it's saying, you're discontent in the God that you've placed in front of God. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, like, that's, that's why you're discontent, yeah. because uh, d- certainly when, when God is in the rightful place in our hearts and our minds and our affections and our will, we can still struggle we can still wrestle yeah. with God over over things but what he's going to bring because he promises to do this is he's going to bring that uh, that peace that surpasses all understanding in yeah. Christ Jesus and so there's going to be a peace not a discontentment mm-hmm. even even in the midst of our wrestling and so if I'm if I'm truly discontent if I'm bitter if I'm angry if I'm all these things then it's it's most likely an indication hey those are the result of you feeling those things because you've put something in front of God yes. and, and that God is letting you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and often those guys, those guys can be sinful things, mm-hmm. right? It may be some type of addiction, whatever that you just go, it's never going to give me what I, what I keep thinking it yeah. will. But to, to Julius's point, um, a lot of times it's a good thing. Yeah. It's our kids, it's our success, it's our job, it's our, you know, whatever reputation. And when it doesn't fully give us, what we want, then that's where that discontentment comes. You know, one, one thing I'll mention is, is uh, um, the third commandment is just so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing some, some research in, in preparation to preach it um, in this series. And, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Um, we, we, we just naturally think that's all about speech. Like yeah. we talked about with him and, um, and without going into too much detail uh, for the sake of time here, there's some things I've been hearing and listening to and reading um, that that actually, the short of it would be this, the Hebrew word that is used there is actually talking more about how we, uh, how we carry and uplift 
the name of, mm. of God. And so to, to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain is, it can absolutely be our speech for sure, but it's, it's not less than that, but it yeah. can be, it, it's really the implication or the, the explicit actually application of the text is that it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and here's a very quick context that I don't, want, I don't want listeners to get lost in, but it's important. This is all in the context of God using Aaron as the high priest. And Aaron, um, in, in the book of Exodus, Aaron is the one who is the representative of God's people. And part of what he does is he wears the names of the tribes upon his chest, the 12 tribes. But most importantly, he wears the name of God on his brow. And it says that he does so with a, with a gold plate that says, literally on the gold plate, it says, belong, belonging to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And so that was this moniker, this name of God is on the forehead of Aaron as he goes in and out of the temple to represent the people. And uh, so he's carrying, he's uplifting the name of the God, uh, name of God before the people and in the presence of God. And then it's also in the context of Exodus and in Deuteronomy that God uses language about how not only is Aaron your high priest, but you are a holy priesthood. You are a nation of priests, meaning, in other words, you belong to me. You bear my name. And so that gives it a little bit of a deeper meaning than just you bear the image of God, which is all humans. This implication is you're the ones that I have chosen to be my people. Amidst, Amidst all image bearers, you're the ones who bear the name of God upon you. Now, we understand that now to be those who believed upon Christ, right? You bear the name of Christ upon you as those who have been chosen by God to be his children. And so here's the, here's the point. The point is, Jesus is the new and better Aaron. He bore the, sin of the, war, uh, the sins of his people upon, upon him. He, he carries us into the presence of God. He carries the name of God, in a sense, to us and over us. And then he imparts all of that to us mm-hmm. as we are united to him. So we now bear the name of God through Jesus such that we belong to him. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to read that commandment so very differently than just, hey, don't say bad things. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't say things that would be disrespectful about God and his name. It's, no, no, everywhere you go, everything you do, you carry and uplift with you the name of God in which you bear. You have been marked out by him yeah. and for him. And uh, you are a representative of him in the world. So which coincides with his teaching in Second Corinthians yeah. through the Apostle Paul that we are ambassadors of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we can read that verse now and probably, honestly, the better translation would be instead of don't take the, the, the name of the Lord your God in vain would be uh, don't carry or uplift my name that you bear mm-hmm. in an unworthy manner. And so, so, so then there is like just all kinds of implications of that upon our life. Yeah. Um, Which leads us into all of the rest of the commandments. That's right. And so much, we have so much in store uh, hearing about how um, we desperately need the Sabbath, how we are to relate to other people, how we are to live um, as spouses, as children, as parents. And so we have so many exciting things coming up. Yep, absolutely. So lots to come in this series uh, as we continue to have guests talking about the Ten Commandments. I hope you'll stick with us uh, and uh, we'll have a lot more to come.